0: Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others, aspiring to be them, can follow in their footsteps.
1: Okay, folks, uh, welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman. And this morning, we have with us John Luttrell from the law firm of BKLW. Nice to have you, John.
0: Nice nice to be here. Thank
1: you. Excellent. Uh, I see you're still drinking coffee, and that's my standard starter. What's your morning beverage of choice to get started?
0: Double espresso.
1: Double Just espresso. Yeah. Excellent.
0: Maybe maybe, maybe two of those.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, that says a lot about you, I think, because it looks like you're doing some pretty interesting uh, litigation work. So tell us about your practice. Tell, tell us the kind of stuff you work on.
0: I do mostly white-collar criminal defense, uh, mostly in California, but we have cases all over the country. Um, people will come to me usually because there's some sort of crisis. Either they've been arrested or they're going to be arrested or they got a grand jury subpoena. A lot of work in just fraud of all types. You know, I had um, health care fraud. Um, I just had a case of uh, PPP loan fraud, which was a big one. Um, recently had an elected official who got uh, prosecuted to the FBI. I've had things that sort of relate to the technology space, um, kind of all, anything that's headed for a trial or some sort of major collision seems to come to me.
1: Excellent. And you, and you have a national practice, right? I know you're on the West coast. Is that true? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're all over
1: the place. Okay. Um, and, uh, so i mean give me is there like a typical kind of case you're working or is it all over the board
0: it's uh it's kind of all over the board and i like it that way you know it's like i said what what's typical of it is it's probably going to happen in federal court it's probably going to be the fbi or some other federal law enforcement agency it's usually somebody who's involved in a heavily regulated space like i said like healthcare. um you know, something where there's going to be a lot of government scrutiny and a lot of rules and a lot of opportunity to break those rules. Yep. Um, those are the cases that seem to come to us and there's, there's a lot of work. I mean, there's, um, it's, uh, for people who work in those industries, they know that there's, there's a lot of law enforcement scrutiny over those types of things.
1: Got it. Got it. So this might be a silly question, but, um, I mean, when these guys come to you, you know, for your services, I mean, are you discriminating at all about who you will take or not take? Or, I mean, do you have to Yeah, I only
0: represent people who are totally innocent. Um, And so every client I've ever had has been totally innocent. (laughs) I'm making a joke. Um, (laughs) No, I I, understand. Yeah, no, the criteria is, you know, they have to have the resources to pay the bills. They have to tell me the truth. Um, but that's it. I mean, it doesn't matter how difficult the case is. Yeah. Um, I have to feel confident that I know enough about the subject area so that I can, you know, I don't want to take a case unless I'm pretty confident I'm the best person for that case. Yeah. But that being said in every case, I, I mean, I'll learn something new every single case. It's part of being a trial lawyer is that whatever it is, you know, the trial is the skill that, that people come to me for, or that, you know, just the ability to litigate in federal court. But it's pretty rare that the subject matter is something I'm totally familiar with. Although I'm definitely getting up to speed on some healthcare type issues.
1: Yeah. So how do you do that? So how do you get up to? I mean, obviously, it's going to be a quick study. But are you using experts, you. I mean, how do you do it?
0: Um, mostly, I learn from my clients. You know, I have I have clients. I have a bunch of clients now who are being. Um, investigated by federal grant agencies because they're either chemists or sometimes engineers. And so I have to learn their field. And mostly I learn from the clients and from reading. And it's the best part of the job is just learning some new subject matter that I had no idea about. I just, I've been learning about chemistry. um, All the subjects that I didn't pay any attention to in uh, college, I'm now starting to revisit for some of my cases, which is what, that's what makes it fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. I right, So you got to be a student. I mean, but I mean, when you say learn, I mean, obviously you're not learning like real theory, real theory of chemistry, right? I mean, that's, that's not easy to do. So just enough to right. be conversant and know.
0: Well, I have to be conversant. I have to know more than the other side too. Yeah. Okay. So it's, um it's a competition and you know, it is, I, I do, I really mean it when I say it's one of the most like fulfilling parts of the job.
1: Interesting. So were you always like a good student or? Um,
0: I don't know if I'd say that. (laughs) Um, I I succeeded in academic environments. But, um, you know, like everybody else, I was was good at what I was interested in.
1: Yeah. So tell us about that sort of like how you got there. Like what was, I mean, how did you get to where you are today? Take, walk us through that path.
0: Well, when I, so I had no idea what I wanted to do when I went to college, like most people. Um, I wanted to go surfing all day and that's all I really wanted to do. Um, but after college, I got involved in activist work in the Bay area and I started representing poor people, um, that led me to want to be a public defender, which I did for 12 years. And I started, and most of the series, like significant work I did was doing death penalty cases. So, you know, I became a lawyer because I wanted to help people who were in crisis and so that's what I did. I spent a lot of time in jails, a lot of time in courts, tried a lot of cases. Um, so I did that for about 12 years. That's a long time to change. do that. You got to stop. You know, I think it is. 12 years? Yeah, that's a record. A long time.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, no, there's people who, who do this for their entire lifetime. And that was that was my plan, too. I, I loved being a public defender. I thought it was really important, really meaningful. Um, I still can't think of anything really much more meaningful than that or a way yeah. to really help people. Um, and then, you know, I, for various reasons, I moved out of LA wanted, you know, wanted to focus more on, you know, family and moved to the beach and, um, you know, went into private practice. turns out it's pretty much, you know, it's the clients are different, but the issues and the cases aren't that different. The mm-hmm. venue, which is federal court, isn't that different. Um, So now I'm still helping people, but it's not, it's not in the sense of, you know, they're facing different kinds of crises, Um, but it's the same skill set and the same thing. So I guess what wound up happening is just through being a public defender, you become a trial lawyer. And when you're a trial lawyer, you know, there's something, if you know how to do it, there's just not, it's not for everybody. It's really stressful, Um, but it's really exciting. And once if that's for you, there's really nothing else that's for you. And so. That's, um, that's what I've been doing.
1: So how, how much time do you find, you find yourself in the courtroom actually with a jury? How Not often? much
0: lately. Um, I tried two cases, I think in the last year, um, one, you know, sort of a longer case, the other shorter case, but that's a pretty steady pace. I mean, I think, um, you know, when I was a public defender, probably about two cases a year, um but it can be way more, way less. But I mean, it's a small fraction of my time that I actually spend in a courtroom. Yeah. But yeah, it just, I'd say 90% of it is outside the courtroom.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I was reading your background and you you make the statement that you prepare if you go on a trial for every case, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which goes without saying, right? Because you may get there, so you got to get ready for that.
0: Yeah, I meant what I said. I sort of presume I'm going to get there unless somebody gives me a reason not to go there. I mean, I, I think you know, the only way to sort of get to reach a successful plea deal or negotiation, you have to be ready to take it all the way because if you're not, it just takes away all your bargaining power. Yeah.
1: It seems like you're. It seems like if I were to guess, I would say you you're better suited to be on the plaintiff side, but you're on the defense side. Why the defense well, side?
0: Well, it's interesting. I well. In you know when when you're talking about prosecutions, plaintiff sides, a prosecutor, and I never considered being a prosecutor. A lot of my colleagues were. Yeah. Um, I just my heart wasn't in it. My heart wasn't defending people, and so. But it's interesting you mentioned that because we do plaintiff cases, and I want to do more of those. Actually, my partners okay. do a bunch of it. Um, one of the areas of our practice that's really growing is uh, key tam related cases or false claim cases. That's where somebody in a you know somebody identifies some sort of fraud either going on at the workplace or in their industry they report it and they can actually we can represent them sort of as a relator on behalf of the united states or the state government and identify this fraud and you wind up you know basically um, prosecuting the case as if you are a plaintiff alongside the government so it's an interesting area of law and so in that sense i do represent a lot of plaintiffs
1: is that different? So that's different than being a whistleblower, or is it the same? Different
0: No, semantics? it's it's just a complicated way of saying a of whistleblower. You okay, just said okay. it much more concisely. All
1: right, all right. That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure if there was some nuance there. Is it just semantics? It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um so I mean, when did you when did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? After I still done- don't know. I still don't know if I want to be a
0: lawyer <laughs> well,
1: it sounds like you really want to serve so
0: yeah, that's true I know that um you know once i I knew it pretty soon after well I mean actually so I was doing I was organizing like uh tenants groups in the bay area and i what I would find I would you know I wanted to advocate for them when they were you know in slum conditions and I realized that when those disputes escalated, you had to hand it over to the lawyers. And I looked at the lawyers that were handling those cases and thought, you know, I think I could do that. Um, that's what led me to go to law school. Interestingly, I've never done a landlord tenant case, yeah. um, but that's, that was the original inspiration for me to go to law school. So I huh. thought that I could, I could help my old clients.
1: Interesting. Well, where yeah. you're, where you're located, you have a whole lot of those issues, right? I mean, People on the streets, I mean, L.A. or in San Francisco, I mean, you you have a pervasive problem, right? Yeah, yeah. How do we fix that? I'm just curious. What's your view on that? Like, how do we actually get past that?
0: Um, I I wish I knew. I think it starts with providing people actual permanent housing. That's my uninformed opinion is just providing people actual permanent real housing and support services, which costs a lot of money, but I think that costs less money than not dealing with the problem. Yeah, So,
1: and there you have it, the perennial battle between the right and the left, right?
0: I I guess so, it it really should not be a partisan issue. I think actually it won't be eventually, it'll Mm -hmm. be one of those issues we look back on and figured out that we could actually solve together, but uh, another uninformed opinion.
1: Yeah, no. Well, I mean, you you have more than an uninformed opinion, I'm sure, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's just you. You wish those basics w- would go away, right? Um. Yeah, I was re- I was recently in uh, Venice, uh, and you just walk around those areas, and it's just like right in your face. So.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, give me, give me an example of um, like a really memorable case that you can talk about that sort of stands out.
0: Oh man. (laughs) Um, There, I mean, there's so many interesting ones. Interesting to me that I can choose from. It's a, you know, the one that comes to mind, I represented a kid from the, well, well, no, I hesitate to bring this one up, but I represented someone, a young man who was seriously mentally ill. Who um, just when I was a public defender, and he he was hearing voices, and they told him to go to LAX and kill TSA agents. And it was just, and it wound up being an awful, awful shooting spree. Um, he did succeed in killing one of them and trying to kill many more. Um, it was a, about, I guess, six years ago, and me and a team of people. Had to represent him, which which was so emotionally um, difficult and so awful. Thinking about the victims and their family, um, worrying about the federal government trying to execute my client. Um, it was toward the end of my public defender career. Maybe it was one of the reasons why that career ended. Now that I think about it, mm-hmm. but that was it was interesting. Um, I had to talk about learning science. I had to learn psychology. I had to learn you know, retain a bunch of experts, identify what his mental health conditions were. I had to persuade prosecutors that those conditions were serious enough that his life should be spared. Yep. And I traveled all across the country, basically reconstructing this kid's life so that I could tell a story. And, you know, that was two years of my life. And, you know, when you're in it and the stakes are that high, it's hard to think about anything else. And sure. so as I think about it now, I guess that's what that's definitely one of the more memorable cases he wound up reaching a deal right before trial to plead and do life without parole. So, but that was pretty close to, you know, a lot of my early career were like near death experiences. I have a lot of people on death row. Um, got a couple people off of death row, which is I think probably the thing that I'm most proud of as a lawyer. Um, but when I think about what's memorable, it's, it's those cases, it's the, it's the death penalty cases. Yeah, um, I hadn't really thought about that till just now.
1: Uh, well, I just uh, just finished reading uh, Just Mercy, Brian Stevenson. So,
0: yeah, yeah, he's an extraordinary lawyer. <clears throat> oh, and, yeah, uh, that's an yeah, he really is, and, a, uh, and an extraordinary person. Yeah, he I was mean, definitely early inspiration for me when I was in law school.
1: I mean, it's listening. You're like echoing like his 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 mission. So, um, yeah, I found that to be disturbing. You know, inspirational. I mean, you know, geez. it's quite a story. Um, but I mean, I'm sure it's not, and a story that's not over, right? I mean, it continues.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's funny. I'm a. I love what I do now. It's it's exciting. I love my clients. I love the practice. Um, I don't miss having to do capital cases. Yeah. It's just so, and and I have so much respect for the people who are still doing it they are really doing the most important work in my view. And I, you know, mentioned like, you know, the housing crisis. I hope that at some point they just end the death penalty, put all those people out of work. But in the meantime, they are doing God's work. They really are.
1: Absolutely. Um, So do you do, you deal with like, um, you know, wall street insider trading, those kind of cases.
0: Yeah. I have a case right now that's, um, insider trading and those are fascinating you know those cases like everything else is just relationships and cover-ups and stuff and uh and i really have enjoyed working with the people who are investigating those cases actually they're smart um and you know the sec and the fbi i've often been opposite them and often had you know contentious relationships with them but i found the groups investigating those cases right now to be super interesting yeah and smart and you know they're just great stories all of them you know there's always this, the story of a business there's usually a you know it's yeah so I have one of those right now that I'm actually working on okay
1: yeah you you probably have gone uh toe-to-toe with a friend of mine who does sec works for the sec and is that's what she does but I also have a childhood friend who was involved with one of the highest profile insider trading cases interesting and you would okay. know it yeah oh yeah it's it was quite it was quite a story. I'll I'll just name the firm Galleon. I don't know it. Maybe I should. New York hedge fund. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a big yeah. case. Big big big, yeah. big big, big, big case. But uh yeah, I mean that's a, that's interesting stuff. Um
0: yeah, yeah. It's fun. There's a lot of sort of cat and mouse. In those cases, but like I said, you still have to learn something. You like like it goes back to the thing that's most interesting. You're still learning something. You got to learn that industry. You got to learn sort of you know how it works. Um, it's that's the fun part is the investigation.
1: So, what do you use uh, for technology? Use use some (laughs) of the devices like focus groups and mock trials and jury consultants. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. All of the above. Um, I'm actually really proud of our firm's um, lit support and technology. We use a platform called Everlaw, which we really like to do, to just digest like tons of data. Um, We're we're trying to get, you know, I, you know, I, every time I have a client who comes in very much if it's pre indictment, and I know that there's a complex set of facts I need to learn about. first thing I do is ask them to give me all of their devices, image them, and then just start doing, you know, have a team of people looking through them so that at least I can figure out what artifacts of conversations or whatever might be in there. Um, It's kind of an, you know, it's an awkward conversation out with your clients, you know, give me your cell phone. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That I have it, uh, then the government has it. but yeah, no, I, we, we do all those, we do focus groups. Um, so a lot of the time, I'm getting ready for a trial right now and we are doing multiple focus groups. So sometimes you get a focus group on an issue then a focus group on a particular witness. Yep. I find it to be really helpful. Oh,
1: good, excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cause most people, I mean, I, I know a lot of people will use it on the plaintiff side but less so on the defense side. But maybe with the type of work you're doing, it's more relevant. Um yeah,
0: I, I the last two trials I did, I did pretty robust focus groups before. It's really helpful because you know you can think your case is real persuasive because yeah. you're in your own head. But there's really no substitute from just convening a couple of panels of actual people that replicate your actual jurors and hearing what they say. And it's often pretty surprising. And it certainly made me change uh my approach a couple of times.
1: Excellent. That's 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 good to hear. Interesting. So just traits, skills. I mean, what what makes, you know, someone like you better than someone else? What are the skills you gotta have?
0: I well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I think you have to be tenacious. Yeah. I think it's I think like with everything else, grit goes farther than almost any other trait. There had there is a certain amount of raw intellect, I think, that you have to have. You have to outthink your opponent. And the people that I'm against are highly intelligent, highly pedigreed, you know, assistant U.S. attorneys, which are usually who I'm up against, come from the top law schools. They have crushed their competition at every level, getting to where they are. Often they're heading someplace else and they need to win in order to prove themselves. So they are a very, very difficult opponent. So I think the only way to win is, you know, work really hard have enough raw intellect that you can at least compete with them. But I think, you know, it's interesting, like that, that helps you win the contest, but what's on the other side of that is clients and clients come to you in crisis. So I think a big part of what makes a lawyer successful is having compassion and the ability to listen so that you actually can understand what's important to your client. Often it's not what you might assume is the most important So I think at least as important as those other traits are just the ability to be, like listen without judgment and with compassion because I think that's gets you, uh, like goes a long way.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure you learned that being a public defender, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. so that's that's good. So, I mean, I try to tell my kids that too, it's like everything you did, you're you're gonna look back and realize, oh, I learned something there that I can apply somewhere else. yeah, it's all part of the uh, part of the journey um so uh influencers have there been any great influences in your life along the way that you still look to or you have mentors
0: Well, definitely some of my some of the lawyers at the public defender's office that were just amazing trial lawyers or mentors um my partners right now are certainly mentors and examples they're extraordinary people extraordinary lawyers I love our firm. We have a great like environment where we all talk to each other. We all strategize around issues. Um, we all have different sort of practice areas, but they are certainly my mentors too. Uh, but there's mentors everywhere. I mean, I think that yeah. I, I'm in, I'm inspired by my paralegals, my support people. They give me like constant feedback and great ideas. They put in the work. They sacrifice like crazy. Um, so I think it's um it's kind of all across the board.
1: Interesting, yeah. Well, it's good. It sounds like you're you guys are very collaborative and you guys work well together, which is which is yeah. great. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. You you know diversity is really where you get the great ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and team so, and teamwork and communication. Teamwork. Yeah. What's the expression about? Uh, dream work makes the teamwork.
0: Teamwork makes but the dream work. Teamwork makes like the dream. Reverse it. Yeah like willie want yeah. reverse that I think it could work in the reverse too actually yeah, yeah
1: true there you go could be could be, yeah. could be in reverse too um so just I mean just to sort of round it off here I mean what do you want to leave with the the audience about your firm um what you want them to know about the and and the best way to connect with you
0: um the best ways is, is just go to our website um www.bklwlaw.com. um come, you know, I, uh, check us out. We are, it's funny. We're sort of like, um, like emergency room doctors. No one knows about us until they need us. And then they really need us. Um, but, um, yeah, no, if you, the people who I think I'm, we're most able to help in my practice area are people who are either companies or individuals, they have a grand jury subpoena, or maybe just somebody knocks on the doors, asking a question about your business, the best thing to do is deal with that very quickly and get counsel right away. Do not try to solve the problem yourself. Um, do not try to talk your way out of the problem. Um, and I'll just say, you know, FBI agents will say, Hey, the best thing for you to do is just come to me and just tell me what happened. You really, they, they won't, or they shouldn't say, Hey, you really don't need the lawyers involved, but I'm here to tell you, you need the lawyers to get involved very quickly. Um, and it can make a huge difference and save you a lot of time and heartache in the end. So, um, don't, don't, you know the, the advice I would give, or the pitch to potential clients would be like, just make a call right away. And another thing is this: it's I always compare shopping for a lawyer to like shopping for a, like a oncologist. You just don't people don't have the information they really need to make an informed choice, and so they wind up with these lawyers who either aren't skilled in that practice area. Um, but they're just great at marketing. The best way to get to a lawyer who's a good fit is talk to somebody that you know and trust and get a personal referral because lawyers that have integrity. If they can't, if they aren't in a good position to handle your case, they know who is and they'll yeah. refer you to that lawyer. And that's, you know, I do it all the time. I get cases that are outside my expertise, but at least I know who can do it. And that's pretty vital for people to make an informed choice.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've seen that uh, with everybody. You guys are good at referring cases to each other. In fact, that's where a lot of business comes from, right? I would assume.
0: I mean, almost all of it um, is, yeah, some, yeah, is lawyer to lawyer.
1: Yeah, I I met a young lawyer at uh, one of these events, actually, on the West Coast, um, and he has a business now, literally, to help with referrals. That's his business. He's a lawyer, but he built a referral platform.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's so important because the, having the right lawyer and the right with the right skill set and who's the right fit for you is it's just super important. Sometimes people stick with lawyers that may be really good at what they do, but they just don't they don't feel like they're not listening or they're just, you know, and you just you really deserve the best. And I always say, you know, like there's no no lawyer should take it personally if somebody goes with somebody else, because there's a million reasons why you pick a lawyer and just has to feel right. Yep. And people should be discerning and and selective and not settle for somebody who doesn't uh, make them feel totally understood and seem to be totally confident in that subject area.
1: Good. Excellent. Good advice. Well, on that note, I'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, John Luttrell. Um, and again, I'm just going to use the initials BKLW law firm. Um, and you're just in California. Is that right? West Coast? Yeah,
0: we're in okay. L.A. Orange County.
1: Okay, good. And, and uh, this is sponsored by Motion Track with a C, and we are a legal tech platform that helps litigators uh, prepare for mediation trials. Th- thanks again, John. Really a good, good discussion. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. All right. Take care.